Siblings in Christ, grace and peace to you in the name of the Father and of the Son. And South the Dakota Holy Synod Spirit. Bishop Constance Hagmeyer will deliver this morning's sermon. Can make. We'll have a time Last of silence. Last year around this time, we greatly rejoiced when we accidentally located a spare roll of toilet paper in unexpected places in our life. This year, our priority once again has shifted to in-person worship, singing beloved Easter hymns, and rejoicing in the festive celebration of Christ's resurrection. Last year for Easter, we also impersonated the story of the disciples sheltering in place. We hid in our homes to avoid contracting what we came to know as a virus that took over 500,000 lives in the U.S. alone. With vaccinations rolling out and being administered efficiently by healthcare systems across the U.S., we are once again back to only hiding plastic Easter eggs and jelly beans. Furthermore, the disciples hid in the upper room, fearing to be lynched because people identified them as Jesus' disciples. This past year and just recently, several ethnic groups across the U.S. experienced a similar traumatic fear because of their skin color. I think it is fair to say that throughout the ages, our social fabric has proven to be fragile. If we didn't learn anything in these past 12 months, we most certainly learned how vulnerable our life really is. So the difference 12 months made for us, three days made for Mary Magdalene and the other witnesses to the resurrection, an increase in mental health needs clearly shows that many of us rode intense emotional roller coasters throughout this past year. We went from days that slowly moved us through endless Zoom meetings while homeschooling our children at the other end of the kitchen table to a year that, looking back at it now, has really flown by. And in the midst of all uncertainty, we kept showing up day after day, moving through each day, each week, each month, trusting that if not tomorrow, if not tomorrow, then very soon we will find normality again. Mary Magdalene helplessly watched how Jesus was lynched and only hours later died at the hands of an angry mob a mere three days ago. I wonder if in her mind she kept playing the scene over and over and over again like many among us did with the last seven minutes of George Floyd's life. It didn't take long until people poured into the streets of Minneapolis and for that fact all over the world crying out in pain, anger, and grief. As our very own social fabric ripped open, stored up emotions that were buried underneath for many generations broke through. What once hid beneath the surface now forced its way out into the open. Mary Magdalene also snuck through the ripped social fabric of her world when she made her way in these early morning hours to Jesus' burial site. Unlike the disciples, 
Fear had nothing on her. When it was still dark on this fateful Sunday that would, that would change the world, she courageously took off for the cemetery. Nothing, absolutely nothing, between heaven and earth, as the Apostle Paul later writes in his letter to the Romans, was able to separate her from the love of God. Earlier in the story, this liberating love that became flesh and dwelled among us and became known to us as Jesus had freed her from seven terrors. These forces that tormented her for much longer than 12 months held her so tight that nearly, nearly nothing of Mary Magdalene was left. She was undeniable, God's good creation, and knew that God had formed her in her mother's womb and had counted every hair on her head. Well, by the time she met Jesus, she was a mere shadow of herself. Jesus then, the Son of God, didn't see her as the world saw her. He saw her through the eyes of God. And out of divine love spoke her free of the seven terrors. Love so extravagant and all-encompassing that it would eventually lead him to the cross for the sake of the world. A world that just can't stand it that divine love is not a finite, but an infinite force in the universe. The divine force that breaks down all physical and ideological barriers for the sake of the healing of the world, which is, after all, God's good creation, but is severed, marred, and scarred by sin. This all-encompassing divine love reunites those who are made in the Creator's image but separated by their brokenness with God himself, namely you, me, and all creation. This infinite love met, ravaged, and tormented Mary Magdalene, who had lost all hope for restoration and lived in the shadows of life. And instead of casting her aside like a discarded piece of clothing, Jesus' divine love made flesh turned his full attention on her and restored her to wholeness and back into the good creation God had molded out of the dust of the earth. Jesus intentionally drew out one terror after the other so that Mary Magdalene once again was empowered to live in community without the barriers that had alienated her from the people and in the end had even alienated her from herself. The liberating divine love inspired deeply rooted devotion within Mary, which essentially led her to the tomb in the early morning hours of the resurrection day. No powers between heaven and earth were able to separate her from the love of God. Now, I would like to make the point that she did not venture out to the tomb to find life. She ventured out to the cemetery to find death. Nothing more, but also nothing less. Mary was a realist. She had lived in the world long enough and had seen the ugliest of sides of it that even death didn't scare her. 
While the disciples were still sorting out whether or not it was safe to leave their hiding place, the Holy Spirit compelled and coaxed Mary Magdalene to care for Jesus' lifeless body. He had given her the gift of once again experiencing life to its fullest by casting out the seven terrors. And so she goes, her eyes on the tomb, her heart set on grief, and her mind on the customary embalming process. But instead of death, she encountered uncertainty. Already from a distance, she knew, well, so she thought, that someone had taken Jesus' body. And with that frame of mind, she persistently pursued everyone she encountered with the same plea. Where have you taken my Lord? Tell me where you moved him to, and I will bring him back. And if it is the last thing I will do. Well, her persistence paid off. She, much like three days prior at the cross, was the only one left at the tomb after everyone else had gone home and gone to return to their hiding places. She stood at the empty tomb and she wept. She cried over what she thought was lost and seemed unrecoverable. I wonder if she feared for the seven terrors to once again creep into her life and slowly, one by one, draw the, her to themselves again. If you speak with recovering addicts and they talk about how traumatic experiences in their life will require of them to summon all their strength to fight off past urges to use again. While we don't know about Mary's fears at the tomb, but we become at this moment in time witnesses to the precious holy encounter that made Mary Magdalene the woman that the world treated as unworthy of any sorts of love, the first witness to the new creation God had called forth. Like Eve, who became the first person to know about the brokenness of the world through sin, Mary Magdalene became now the bookend on the other side of the creation story, where God forges new life out of death. And from now on, death has lost its power. Yes, indeed, Jesus restored Mary Magdalene's health, but what she encountered at the empty tomb in the midst of death is not just restoration, but resurrection, life from death. Mary she hears the gardener say. Now, how many times do you think has she heard someone else say her name? I would assume countless times in her life. People, in fact, probably whispered it to one another's ears, leaning into each other more closely, while at the same time pulling back from her as she passed by. Look, there is that Mary. She probably was so accustomed to hearing her name sneered by spiteful, spiteful tongues that she already expected it. But this time was different. After confronting who she understood to be the gardener with her pursuit for Jesus' body, she heard her name, Mary. But this time, again, was different. There was no contempt in the voice. There was no segregating sharpness to it. 
that will place her into the crazy category. No, this time all she heard was the boundary-breaking Mary. And just like the divine love that drawn out the seven tears earlier in her life, the loving pronunciation of her name, Mary, stirred her to turn around. And what her eyes couldn't see, her ears heard. The empty tomb, the finite defeat of death, the gift of new life, now and forever, the restoration of the union between God, the Creator, and the divine creation came together in hearing her name. What once was divided by sin has been restored by love, not just here on earth, but for all eternity. As sin had entered through Adam, the first creation, eternal life entered through the resurrection of Jesus, the new creation. I find it so marvelous that the resurrected Christ had no need nor time for what I call theological ping-pong about what this moment in time means for all creation. Instead of focusing on him, he focuses on who Mary was to him. Mary, beloved child of God, first witness to the resurrection, don't hold on to me. Instead, go and share what your ears heard and your eyes now see. Mary Magdalene became the first witness to the power of God's new creation, which didn't just restore what was once broken, but coaxed forth life from death. He has risen. Siblings in Christ, partakers in the new creation, you also have been called by name. In the waters of baptism, you have been washed into Christ's death. But in those waters, you have also been washed into God's new creation. Beloved child of God, I, God says, have called you by name. You are mine, and with you I am well pleased. These are God's words for his new creation. Today, today, this moment, death has been defeated and life and love have conquered all creation. He has risen. Thanks be to God, whose love is all excelling and propels us to go forth without fear, but instead to become bearers of love and life in a world that is so thirsty and so hungry for extravagant love and fearless life. In Christ's name, amen.